grab your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah 54, and we're going we're gonna to begin there. Um, in 1990, I moved up to my family's farm in Minnesota and helped, uh, I, I lived there for a year and helped build a house that my grandfather and my aunt and uncle could live in. And uh, it's interesting when you're building, you know, the, all the preparation and the digging of the foundation and the laying of the foundation seems to take forever. And then once that's done, whoop, it's up in no time. But that part, I just thought we were never going to get done. I just thought that was, it took more patience than I have. And, uh, you know, I think when, when God's at work in us, sometimes it feels like he's not going fast enough. We want him to go a little faster. We want him to pick up the pace. God, why aren't you addressing this? Why are you working on that? I don't want to work on that. I want you to work on this. We try to tell him how to do it. Aren't you glad when they built your house, they didn't put the walls up and then build the foundation later? Yeah, that would not work, in case you didn't understand. That doesn't work. The house on the farm that we replaced was built in about 1900. And uh, no, actually before that, about 1880. And uh, they didn't have concrete available to them, so they just found rocks out in the fields and tried to stack them as neatly and as level as they could for the foundation. Needless to say, by 100 years later, the, uh, the, uh, there wasn't a straight line anywhere in the house. I'm telling you, every door, every window, you picked up speed walking into the kitchen. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> the mice could get in through all the big cracks in the house, and one day our cat, uh, uh, my aunt walked in, and the cat had one mouse under this paw, one mouse under this paw, and one mouse in its mouth. <laughs> yes, and my family lived in that house up until we built a new one. You can understand why we built a new one. Anyway, the new house did not have mice. You'll be happy to know. Anyway, are you in Isaiah 54? Start with verse 11. <clears throat> o afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones in antimony. I will lay your foundations with sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. You know, I, I never cared much for this passage, maybe because I'm a guy, and I'm like, Lord, what, what possible use could I have for antimony? I don't even know what that is. Sapphires, rubies, crystals, precious, what, what? But you understand that this is the same God who paves streets with gold. So what did you expect him to build you with? You know, uh, you know, Bill Gaither wrote a song, if you're old like me, you would know, something beautiful. He made something beautiful of my life, you know? So, so God's doing a work in you. Now, there's people who thought this, this passage was about heaven, but you can tell if you keep reading, it's not about heaven, it's about earth right here, because we keep reading verse 13, all your sons will be taught by the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. In, and that means children, by the way. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. And from terror it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever attacks you will fall because of you. Verse 17. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And you will condemn every tongue that accuses you in judgment. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is for me, declares the Lord. You know, yeah, we're going to look good in heaven, but you know what? As far as God's concerned, you're looking good and looking better every day here because he's building you up with most precious things. And, and th those are actually, he's building you up with things that are more precious than that because he talks about our precious faith. But, but that passage isn't about heaven because we're not going to have any enemies there. This is a picture of where God is taking you and taking me. He's growing us and training and supporting and building us. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about it. And, and they're sort of funny in a way because, because you know, do you ever try to explain something to somebody and you're trying to use a metaphor and pretty soon you've used six metaphors and, and you're still trying to explain it to them? Well, you know, I think sometimes when, uh, when God's trying to explain stuff to us, he, uh, he, he tries to give us an earthly example so that we can get a hold of a heavenly idea. And sometimes it's not that easy to do. But bear with me. We're going to just kind of wander through this about how God is building us. All right. So just hang with me. And we're just we're just trying to encourage one another tonight. All right. So just stick with me. You know, and, and, and you can write this scripture down. I'm going to hit a few that you don't have to look at. But Second Corinthians chapter four. Verse 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, for though our outer man, our flesh, is decaying, in case you hadn't, you uh, young people don't know you're getting older, but you older people know you're getting older. The outer man is not quite what it used to be, you know? But uh, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed every day. That's the beauty God's talking about. Those are the sapphires and the crystals and the antimony, whatever that is. That is what God's building inside of you, the person that he's making you to be. You know, the Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ. Isn't that right? So, so if we're a new creation in Christ, he's made, it says he's made all things new. And, and he says he's continuing to work, you know, even when we don't see it. Right? We sing that song. He's working, Right? 1 Corinthians 3, you want to turn there? God is at work. You know, I can, I can remember when I was younger, I was like, God, you are just not working fast enough to suit me. I'm a little bit impatient, and uh, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I, 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 I have attention. I have a decent attention span, but it's just not much longer than about an hour. So a uh, two-hour movie, no. Three-hour movie, really no. Um, but there's a few of those out there. Did you ever see Lord of the Rings? Lord of mercy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's true. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, start with verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Okay, so God first is comparing you to a field, and he's comparing you to a building. A building has to have a foundation, and then it gets built on top of the foundation. A field has to be tilled and prepared. You don't just go out there and throw seed around. Every, no, 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 no. It's got to be more organized than that. And, uh, and so he's comparing that. But then verse 11, he goes on, he says, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right? And then he goes on to say that we can build on top of that and, and that uh, at the end of time, 
that, that God will judge that work. And what does that mean? Well, that just means the things we did for him are going to last forever, right? But, uh, you know, the fact that you, uh, you know, painted your bathroom is not going to last forever. In fact, the Bible says, you know, the earth will all be made new and destroyed and made new. So, so you know, the, the, the painting of your bathroom where it might be important, I'm not saying you shouldn't paint your bathroom. I'm just saying that I don't think there's a heavenly reward for painting your bathroom. Does that make sense? All right. So, and then uh, verse 16, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives inside of you or dwells in you? So he's comparing this to a field, to a building, to a temple. We have three so far. Okay, you sticking with me here? All right. So, and then in Ephesians 2, <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse, uh, verse 19, he says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household, having been built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. <laughs> so, okay, so, so you could get a little confusing, a little confused here if you're trying to be too literal. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, there's, there's a lot of comparison here. He calls, you know, he isn't saying that Jesus isn't the foundation. He says Jesus is the foundation, but he's the cornerstone, all right? And there's also, we get built on other things. But see, it's, it's all a metaphor. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is trying to show you that he's building you, all right? And, and there's a lot of ways that he might go about saying that. Paul, in the same book, says he's a cornerstone and a foundation. But, but you understand that the point isn't all the metaphors there's, a, there's other places where it calls us the planting of the Lord, uh, you know, a lot along with the field of the Lord, all right? But, but the point is, is that we are being built on and in Jesus. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible says, in him we live. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? So let me try to you know, hang with me here, all right? The Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being, amen? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, we, uh, God is, is at work in us, and he's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to bring you to a place of rest and peace where you're not in strife, where you're not feeling hopeless. Ever been hopeless? You don't have to raise your hand. I've been there. That's a hard place to be. But, but see, that's why he's starting. He starts right at the foundation, starts building you strong, and he does it right. He's not doing the foundation wrong. He's, he's doing it right because that's who he is. See, he, he, isn't a, he isn't interested in you being weak. No, he wants you to be strong, but he wants you to be strong in the Lord. You know, lots of people are, feel like they're barely hanging on. And, and, and I think, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I had some challenges in my childhood that left me in a place where I just, I didn't even, I didn't even think God loved me. And so God had to get past that first. You understand that? He had to get past the fact that I didn't even believe he loved me so he could get me to the place where I could get a hold of more than that. Does that make sense? I mean, when you're walking up a stair, you got to take the first step first. I mean, you might be able to, if you got long legs, you might be able to skip one or two, but you can't really skip steps in God. you got to just 
go with him how he's teaching you and how he's training you. And, and, and you know, these days in elementary school and high school maybe even, uh, you don't have to, if you don't pass first grade really, they may move you on anyway. Guess what? In God, that don't work that way. You understand that? He, you don't get to go to second grade until you pass first grade. So you gotta, you got to follow him. You know, that's what Jesus said to the disciples, isn't it? Very first thing. Peter, James, John, Andrew, follow me. Follow me. So, so they did. That's how they got on the path. That's how they got moving in the direction that God wanted them to move in. Are you in Ephesians 4? All right. Verse 11. We'll see the point of what he's trying to do here. We've read this so many times, but just hang with me. It's important. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So there's, he appointed leadership within the body of Christ. Amen? For the equipping of the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. There you go. Some of you didn't say it with a lot of enthusiasm or belief. But if you're born again, if you've asked Jesus into your life, whether you know it or not, you're a saint. And, uh, okay, so for the equipping of the saints, of the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, Brother Jim uh, is, is involved at Woodhouse. They sell trucks. I mean, if you're going to have a truck, you might as well have one that's equipped. You know what I'm saying? You might as well have one that's got loaded up, right? We, we, uh, we, like, all the, we, all, we like all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? The leather seats and the heated steering wheel, and all that, that extra stuff that costs extra money. But, you know, you might as well, hey, God wants you equipped. What? For life. He wants you equipped. He wants you state-of-the-art. He wants you top of the line. He wants you platinum level, guys. That is what he's doing. He's not doing a sloppy job. He's not doing a, a poor job. He's not fixing somebody else up better than you, you understand? But I'll tell you what, as you follow him closer, you'll make faster practice. Practice, progress. I can talk, really. I can. Verse 12 again. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The saints, uh-huh. And that's all of us, okay? I mean, it's not just the pastor. Some people think it's just the pastor. It's not. For the building up of the body of Christ. Now he's comparing us to a body. And then in a minute he calls Christ the head of the body. And we're the body and we each have a function. So we're a house and a building and a, and a tree and a field. And, but the point is, is that he's growing us. Do you get it? You with me now? Okay. Uh, so keep reading here. Hmm... For the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man or a person to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, all he's saying there is he's trying to get you to grow up. As a result, now look at this, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to, what? We are to grow up. You know, it is so easy. There is so much wind out there and so many crazy doctrines, and this person believes that, and this person believes that, and I don't know which one's right, and is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, 
I don't know. And you know what I mean? And, 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 and you can just start swimming in it and be all confused. And you know what? Guess what? It didn't have anything to do with you growing up spiritually. Because, because what God wants is a relationship with you. He'll lead you through whatever. He'll lead you no matter what's happening in the world. And is there some bad stuff happening in the world? Of course there is. I mean, we're not stupid. The world's a mess. But he will lead you right on through it. Just like he, he you know, the, the Israelites faced the Red Sea. And what did God do? He parted the waters and they walked through it on dry land. You know what? That's exactly what he'll do for you. The world's a mess and he's going to part it and you're going to walk through on dry land. It's not going to be a problem. See, he hasn't changed. He, he knows just exactly how to lead you, how to guide you, how to take you wherever you need to be. And, and your plan isn't the same as mine, and mine's not the same as yours, and that's good. That's not bad. That's just how it is. But God, God wants you to grow up. He wants you to, uh, to make progress. You know, turn over to, turn over to, uh, turn over to Ephesians 3. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I probably mention it every time I get the privilege of being up here. So, uh, so you'll forgive me for going there a lot. But uh, Ephesians chapter 3, it's a, one of the prayers that uh, the Holy Spirit gave through Paul for the church, starting with verse 14. And this is what he wrote. For this reason, I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in the inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, look at this, being rooted and grounded in love. Amen. You see that? Yeah. Did you notice it doesn't say you're rooted and grounded in knowledge? Did you see that? It doesn't even, now, we, we, we make our entrance into to our, our walk with God through faith, but, but he's pointing out here, we are rooted and grounded in love. You know, uh, Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then it says something really interesting. To me, more interesting than I have loved you with an everlasting love. How do you get more interesting than that? But he said, I have drawn you with loving kindness. See, he's not trying to scare you into the kingdom. He's not trying to threaten you into the kingdom. He's not trying to tell you, well, you've been bad and you're going to go to hell. No, 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 no. It says he has drawn you to himself with loving kindness. You know, the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance, not the fear of God. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. Now, there is a reverence for God. There is a respect for him. When we realize that, we've, that we were sinners, that we've wronged him and wronged our fellow man, that's humbling and embarrassing, and we're ashamed of that. But that's the blood. Jesus washed that all away. He doesn't even want us thinking about that anymore. But if you keep thinking about that, Pastor Tony says this all the time, it'll suck you right back into it again. Well, hello, time to let go, folks. You know, there is so much more to think about and so much more going on in the world. Why would you want to spend your time thinking about a mistake you made 30 years ago? But people do it every day. They do it every day. Keep reading. Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. That's so mind-boggling, the concept of being filled to the fullness of God. Okay, God is full. You think about him, who he is, what he does, 
And, and he wants us to be filled with his fullness. You know, I think it's going to take all of eternity for that to happen. But you know what? There's a good reason, and we're going to get to it. There's a good reason to start that process here and now. Not just wait for heaven. You know, I grew up in a church, good church. I'm thankful for it. Thankful that I got saved and baptized there. And I'm thankful that, you know, I have friends, still friends from that church. But, but we were kind of the, well, it'll all be better in heaven. You know, just, you know, you remember that verse in I'll Fly Away, that song, you know, just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. You know, there's nothing in this Bible that says that we're supposed to just, you know, have weary days and then fly away. There's nothing there. No, no. You know, God has all sorts of things he said, but, th but that isn't it, okay? You know, no, he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hello? I mean, let's, let's you know, let's start believing what this says and, uh, and, uh, We'll change the words and I'll fly away so that, so that it fits our life better. But, you know, there's a, there's a man's side, our part, and a God's side to growing up, okay? It isn't all him. I have to tell you, back to my church I was, grew up in, we were told it was all God. And, and we just didn't have to worry about it. He was going to grow us up. He was going to do what he does. And, and he would bring circumstances into our lives. And those were to teach us and train us. And, uh, you know, if you think about that, it's like, really? I had a car accident so God could train me. Awesome. No, no, no. No. That, I mean, no, I had a car accident because I wasn't watching where I was going. <laughs> I look down at my phone, or you know what I'm saying? It, you're going to blame God for that? Really? I don't think we can do that. You know, um, our side of this, well, let's back up. Psalm 1, you guys know that, right? Pastor quotes that all the time, talking about uh, verse 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Thank you. I knew you would know it because he, he quotes it all the time, right? And, and, and so our part is to spend some time with him, okay? You know, uh, when, when you're getting to know somebody, when I, when I met Leanne, which was 12 years ago this month, hallelujah, <laughs> and, um, and um, I, I told <laughs> okay, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> you know, it's the funniest thing that God will just have you telling yourself, but well, you really don't want to. Anyway, uh, I, I told her, I t <laughs> on a Sunday, we were talking, and, and we decided we were going to spend some time together. I said, but we're going to take this real slow. So we set up a lunch on Tuesday, and then spent Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> she asked me at one point, so when you said we were going to go slow, what exactly did you mean by that? I was like... <laughs> But, but see, if, if, you look at <laughs> if you look at spending time like work with God, you know, spending time with God like work, uh, you need to just forget about that and, uh, and, and start remembering how much you love him and how much you like hanging out with him. You know, whenever the enemy, have you heard Pastor Tony say this? Whenever the enemy beats him up and says, you need to spend more time in the word, pastor's like, yeah, so I'm going to go to a movie. Yeah. 
Why? Because we we're not led by the enemy. We're not led by guilt. We're not led by shame. We're not led by we have to, you know, none of that. No, 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 no. That's not God. He's not a slave driver. He's not mean. He's not demanding. He's not up there mad because you didn't read 15 chapters already today. He's not that guy. He isn't there doing that. He isn't. Did you really think he was? No. You know, that. You know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, wow, Jesus was, you know, compassionate and loved people and helped people and healed people and blessed people, but I don't see any guilt there. I don't see any shame there. I don't see any, oh, God got on me this morning, so I got to do... There wasn't any of that. I mean, he... he, he lived in freedom because that's the life that God gave you. So, 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 you know, yeah, we meditate day and night, but, but it isn't like work. It's like fun. It's like, I love this verse. Uh, you know, do you do that? You're reading in the word and you get to a verse and it's like, wow, I love that. That is so cool. Uh, and, and you dwell on that. All right. Or say your body's sick. All right. You've got something going on in your body. And, and so, you're going to meditate. Okay, Lord, you know, I know what your word says. Your word says, by his stripes, I, I was healed. Your word says, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Your word says, Psalm 107, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Okay, so I'm going to meditate on that. That's not work. You understand that? So, so if you're making it work, then, then you're doing it wrong. And you need to kind of pull back and regroup and, and figure out how to do this right. Because it's not supposed to be work. It's not supposed to be drudgery. Just like, like me taking it slow with Leanne. You know, it wasn't a drudgery. It wasn't a bad thing. I wanted to spend time with her. She wanted to spend time with me. So, you know, we'd be, we'd be up late talking. And she's like, okay, I have to get up really early. I can't do this. Tomorrow we're going to stop really early. And I'm going to go home and go to bed. And you're going to go home, and yeah, that never worked either. So, you know, we, we uh, you know, there we are, midnight, talking away. No, no, when, when you're in love, when, when you've got a relationship with somebody, you, wanna, you want that relationship to grow. That's what God wants. He's excited about you. He's excited about spending time with you and growing with you. You know, he, he's, not, he's not down the, up there with a whip going, why aren't you growing faster, Morris? It's not like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Can you imagine? You know, Jesus with the whip, whipping his disciples. You're not, you're not spending enough time in the Torah. You're not spending enough time with me. No, they were having fun. They were out together. They were out walking around. Yeah, Jesus spent lots of time teaching them and talking to them. But, but don't you know they were doing plenty of talking too and plenty of just trying to get a grasp on it? You know, that's what we're doing. You know, our, our side, you know, we want to build up our faith. You know, the d disciples said to Jesus one day, increase our faith. And yeah, Jesus said to him, yeah, well, if you had faith. So yeah, they had a ways to go. <laughs> I mean, they had a ways to go, but that's okay because, because he was right there with them and, and he was helping them get a hold of the pieces that they needed so that they could grow. All right. You know, um, uh, Jude chapter 1, you can just write this down, verse 20. 
says, but you, dear friends, build each other up in your most holy faith. You know, we can help build each other up. You can encourage somebody. You know, I, I'll, I'll pick on Torian. If Torian came in discouraged one day, you know what? I could build him up. Elisa could build him up. Teresa could build him up. The whole worship team could help build him up, you know? I mean, because the, the challenges of life come to all of us, okay? You understand that's what life is like here. Thank you very little, Adam and Eve, for making this <laughs> challenging for us. But, but the point is, is that life, the challenges of life come to all of us. So what do we do? We encourage one another in our faith. Amen? You know, our side is also hearing and receiving. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God, right? So we got to hear the word of God. We got to put ourselves in a place to be in a position to hear and to make sure that while we're listening, we're actually hearing and it's actually getting inside of us, okay? So that's our part, right? But, but God, uh, you know, he, he's at work. You know, in, in a construction project, like road construction, they seem, to be, they seem to have torn up every road anywhere near my house at this moment. I'm so thankful for this. But, um, yeah, my wife works, what, a mile? A mile from our house, and I think one day it took her about 25 minutes to get home because literally the cars were backed up and not moving for like a mile. So, you know, we have to learn how to go on different roads and stuff. But... But the point is, is that in construction, there's lots of roadblocks. And, and if, if there's, there's rain and complications with pipelines and buried cables and supply delays and shortages and employee issues and all these things, you know? And, and so, you know, th there can be things that happen in our lives that slow us down. But, you know, God's not surprised by any of those. You understand? And, and you know, sometimes we... We get, as human beings, and, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we get feeling like God's thinking, at least I used to do this all the time. I, I, I get thinking that God just didn't think I was trying hard enough. And I'd be like, God, I'm really trying. I know I keep messing up, but I'm really, really trying. You remember in Star Wars when, when Luke told Yoda, he, he goes, I'll try. And, and Yoda's like, no, no try. Do or do not. Didn't think you were going to hear that in church tonight, did you? <laughs> but, but, but you know what? It, it, it isn't so much about us trying as, okay, you know, I, 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 I know we, we, when our struggle against sin sometimes, you know, maybe habits or things like that, we, we are trying. We feel frustrated because, you, know, you know, it's a one step forward and two steps back thing, but, but we're really not doing that, Okay. You know, we're, we're really making progress, but God's building strength inside of us. Uh, Isaiah 41 says, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will lift you up. He's at work, but we also have to cooperate. You understand that, right? I mean, I, I mean it's like uh, we can put ourselves in a position where we just, I just can't do it. And then we feel sorry for ourselves, and we just let ourselves get into a mess again. And then we have to let God get us out of the mess again. And, you know, that, we've all done that. We've all done stuff like that, okay? But, but the point is, is that God's at work, and, and we're trying to move forward, okay? You know, one of the things that, that sometimes people try to do is they try to have one foot in the world and one foot in church. If anybody's ever tried that before, you know that does not work, okay? You can't do that. Because there's no peace in your heart 
when you're trying to do that. that. That's impossible to have peace when part of you is living in the world. You know, we got to make a decision, do or do not. You know, are we going to follow God or are we not, all right? But, but, you know, God will help you get to the place where you can work toward making the decision to follow him fully and be all in. I see all in shirt, awesome. But, um, you know, to, to be all in for him. You know, when I was a, when I, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I was not very old, so bear with me here. Uh, we, my, we would go up to Minnesota and go fishing about one week every year. And uh, a couple of the years, we had a little boat, a little duck boat that those kids would take out, just had oars, no motor, you understand. And, uh, and we'd take the little duck boat out and you know, go out to the first little shelf on the lake and try to catch perch and stuff, hope for something bigger, but all we ever caught was perch. But, um, but we, would, we would go out there. So my brothers and I, we were probably like 7, 9, and 11. I was the middle one. And uh, we decided that we were going to uh, go fishing, and, uh, and, and I'll skip ahead. I show up at the cabin soaking wet from head to toe, and my dad and my grandfather are in there looking at me like, what happened to you? And I said, well, I was on the dock, and, and the boat started to float away from the dock that my brothers were in, and I, I said to my dad, and I decided to try one foot on the dock and one foot toward the boat. And I said, and I made it, almost. <laughs> I wound up in the lake. Anyway, so one foot in and one foot out, that doesn't really work. But you know what? God will get you. He'll get you to the point where, uh, you know, we know Philippians 2. You don't have to turn there, but for Philippians 2, 12 and 13 so, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for good. You know, it, it's, it's uh, his part, right? We're supposed to work out our salvation, but it's God working in us. You understand that? I mean, it really, it does, it does make sense. But, you know, I was talking to one person one day, and they go, I don't understand that verse. Is it us or him? Yes. Yes. It is us and him both. Yes. Yes. It's a cooperation. You understand that? Uh, in, a, in a car engine, there's a lot of parts that have to cooperate together to get the car to move forward. You understand? It's not just one thing. There's not just a gerbil in there running on a wheel, and you hope he runs fast enough to get the car moving. It's not like that. There's a whole lot of pieces that have to work together. Well, in our lives, it's just us and God. So it's very simple, you know. The Holy Spirit's at work. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things we don't want to do is, uh, you know, James 1 talks about doubting, but I, th really that word's probably better translated as wavering. Wavering between two positions. You know, that's that one foot in, one foot out thing. Am I going to waver? No. You know, I, I think in our heart of hearts, we all know we want to follow God. You wouldn't be here at church on a Wednesday night if you weren't interested in following God. But, but you know, it takes a while for God to build us and make us strong. Uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, et cetera, et cetera, but it ends with self-control or strength. You know, it just takes some time to build that up. Don't beat yourself up. You know, uh, my, my old pastor years ago used to say, well, 
Ride the altar all the way to heaven if you have to. You just keep repenting and God, you just keep hanging on and he'll get you where you need to get. Well, I don't know if that's real good doctrine, but you know what? When, when we mess up, what do you want to do? Go to him. You know, don't run from him. You know, go right back to him and say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Let's, let's move forward on this. Amen? You guys with me? All right. Uh, another hindrance to growing up in God is loving the world. You know, First uh, John 2, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Um, I want to read that passage. You can go there if you want, but I want to read that passage to you out of the New Living. I just, you know, sometimes they just hit it really, really well. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, I like that. I think that's really good. You know, God's not, to try, he's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to bless you. You know, the, the Bible says that God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. You know, I mean, I've heard people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian. They don't have any fun. Well, no, you actually can't have fun until you're a Christian because you don't even know what fun is. I'm telling you, God is the king of fun. He made us to like fun. He made us to love to laugh. But, but his kind of fun, you know what? Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets offended. Nobody, you know, gets uh, insulted. And, you know, it's, it's all amazing. But we have to renew our minds. Amen? All right. You know, I think um, another, another uh, thing that could be a hindrance to growing up, and, and I'm going to have to go faster here, so you're going to have to just write a couple of these down, all right? Um, another hindrance would be, you know, sometimes we, we get so focused on the world, and it's not a love of the world, it's just we get so caught up in every day and the things that are going wrong and the stress at our jobs and the people that we work with that aren't nice or, you know, the neighbors that we live next door to who aren't nice to us. You know, we, we can get so caught up in everything. And, you know, uh, there's a it's a it's a it's a bit of a strange passage almost in in. Uh, in First Corinthians, chapter seven, but. I'm going to read this anyway. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 20, starting with verse 29, says, But I say this, brothers, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the present form of this world is passing away, but I want you to be free from concern. You know, God's not encouraging you men to ignore your wives or you women to ignore your husbands. But what he's encouraging us to do is to keep our eyes on what's truly important. Okay, he wants us to walk with an eternal perspective, if that makes sense. You know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't grieve. You know, he said, don't weep. Or, you know, and, and he didn't mean don't weep at all. But, but, it's, he said, as though you don't weep. In other words, we don't grieve as the world does. You know, we don't have any time for that. We don't have time to just, 
you know, when, when, you know, when my, dad, my dad passed away a year ago, August, and, um, and you know, I, I know that I will see him again. I'm not worried about that. I, I'm, not, I'm not bothered by that part. I miss him a whole lot. But, but I'm, not, I'm not grieving like the people in the world. You know, it isn't like my life came to an end. My life didn't come to an end at all. My dad's life came to an end. But, but you know, I, I think that there, there's a lot of things in that chapter or in that passage that we read. But God just wants us to have an eternal perspective. You know, he said, he said, use the world, but don't make full use of it. You know, my, my wife, my wife and I have a lot of possessions. We, we have given away way more though than we currently have. And we're going to keep giving stuff away probably as long as we're on this earth because God just keeps getting more to us than, than we could need. But you know what? I don't care about that stuff that much. Okay. I, I, I truly, I, I care so much more about, about my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law than I care about anything in that house. I care more about the dog than anything in that house. I mean, I, 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 do you understand what I'm saying? I, that stuff, I, I mean, we live light on the earth, okay? You know, I, that doesn't mean you have to move to one of those weird little houses that's about four feet by four feet and sleep hanging upside down or whatever they do. You don't have to do that. But the point is, is, you know, live light on the earth. You know, if God suddenly tells you he wants you to move to New York, you know, I mean, the less stuff you have, the easier it is to go. I'm not saying he's going to do that. But the point is, is that, you know, live light on the earth because all that stuff's going to, you know, when you die or when Jesus comes back, you're not taking it with you. You understand that? You don't get to grab your jewelry box on your way to heaven because, you know, those would be pretty pathetic jewels compared to what's up there anyway. So uh, you know what I'm saying? So, so we got to learn to live light. But I know people who are so caught up in the have to and want to, and I got to have this, and I got to have that, and I just got to make more money, and, and I got to work more. And I, I mean, they're just so caught up in it, they're miserable. And I think, okay, you know what? Some eternal perspective would be really, really good for that. Because God doesn't want you stressed. He doesn't want you working. Now, you may have to work multiple jobs for a season, but he doesn't want you to stay there having to work three jobs just to stay alive. He doesn't want that. You know, he's got a plan, and that plan is a good plan, and it doesn't involve you working your fingers to the bone, okay? So anyway, I'm going to skip here ahead. You know, sorry. Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. I'm going to read another scripture to you before we read in Romans 5. But 1 Timothy 4 says this, For bodily discipline or exercise is of a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, that verse says, do they have it up there? No. Can you put that one up there for me? 1 Timothy 4, 8. For bodily discipline or exercise is only of a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Do you see that? Now, I want you to look at that. Look it up there or look in your Bible. But it says that godliness on this earth 
is profitable for our life in heaven. Look at that. I'm not making this up. Some of y'all are looking at me like that. Doesn't what that's, it is what it says. Godliness is profitable for all things, for it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. How does that work? I have no idea. But if he says that, it's true. And so, you know, we're not just living for the moment, guys. Some eternal perspective here is a really, really good thing. And, and godliness is profitable. That's a big word in the, in the Greek. It, it involves prosperity and it involves blessing. And, and godliness is profitable for all things. You know, it's a good goal. It's a good thing to want to be like Jesus was, to live like Jesus was, to, to use his example and to know how to love people. You know, we, uh, we, uh, we can encourage each other to be better and better. You know, the Bible talks about encouraging one another daily. You know, we all need encouragement. My wife and I like to go to the gym. We like to go to the gym three times a week. She'd like to go to the gym four times a week. I'm not quite there. But, uh, but, but we try to go in the morning. The alarm goes off just after 5.30, and uh, oh yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and there's mornings that I don't want to get up, but she's up and moving, and I'm like, all right. She doesn't say anything, but it's encouraging. She's up, I'm going to get moving, and I get moving. There's mornings she doesn't want to get up, and she sees me, I'm, and she'll say, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, give me a second, I'm almost there, I'm almost up, all right? But, but you understand it's early, and, and, and so, but, but guys, life's that way. We need to encourage one another. Husbands and wives aren't the only ones who encourage each other. Encourage your friends. Encourage the people that, that you come in contact with, especially those of the house of faith. You know, encourage them, because life, life can be challenging. You don't know what somebody else is going through. You know, I was at, at Starbucks today. I took my computer up there. I was just kind of running over my notes. And I, I heard a couple people talking, yeah, okay, so we'll get coffee, and then we got to get up to the hospital. And I thought, yeah, you know, everybody's got stuff going on, right? We all do. You know, I mean, if I gave you everybody a piece of paper, write down your five top problems, you know, that you're dealing with, you wouldn't have any trouble coming up with five. Pretty sure if you don't have five problems, come and see me afterwards. I'll give you a couple of mine, all right? <laughs> anyway, um, are you guys in Romans 5 yet? I'm just joking. I'm not, I'm not going to give you... Anything like that, I promise. You don't have to run from me after church. It's like, no, I have enough now. Okay, Romans chapter 5. I'm in the NIV, so, uh, so in case you're wondering what one I'm reading out of, it's the NIV, all right? All right, so starting with verse 3 of Romans 5. Not only so, but we also glory. It doesn't say for our sufferings. You see that? It says we glory in our sufferings or during our sufferings. All right, not for them. We don't give God praise. Oh, God, thank you for this headache. No, no, no. But in the middle of having a headache, God, I thank you that you're my healer. Okay, we can do that. So stay with me. So we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, guys, challenges, trials, hardships, suffering is part of being on this planet. Jesus said each day would have trouble of its own. But in Christ, guys, we can all 
rise above every circumstance and everything that comes at us. And, and God will give us strength as we lean into him. He, as, as, you know, it's like, God, I don't know how I'm going to face this. I need your help. He'll be there. You understand that? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you a story after story after story where he was right there when I needed him to be right there. There was a few times where I was like, where are you? But he got there, all right? But, but, you know, I mean, I've heard people say he's the God of the midnight hour, but that's like saying, well, I found it in the last place I looked for it. Well, yes, I assume that's probably true. That's what everybody does, okay? We all find it in the last place we look for it. But, you know, God really isn't the God of the midnight hour. He's, he's right there when we have faith and can believe and receive from him, and he's right there, and it's going to happen. He'll bring it to pass, all right? But, um, but, but as we learn to trust him and walk with him and hold on to him, all right, it produces perseverance. You know, when the disciples were out on that boat and it was storming and Jesus was, oh yeah, sound asleep, they, they learned a whole, whole lot that night about not worrying, all right, because you know, they woke him up and they're like, aren't you afraid or aren't you, don't you care that we're going to die? Yes. And Jesus like, he just looked at him, he goes, where's your faith? And so he's like, stood up and spoke to the wind and the waves and they calmed right down. And the disciples were all like, oh, oh yeah, we're with him. You know what? <laughs> Guess what? You're with him. You're fine. All right. You know, but, but. Yeah, there's challenges. Yes, there's things you have to rise above. Yes, if you're sick, you got to speak to it. you got to believe God, and you got to rise above it. Yes, if you got stuff going on in your family or your job or your marriage, yes, you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to kick the devil out, and you're going to have to rise above it. But, but doing that, all right, learning to go to him every time you need help. You ever had a new job? And you had a trainer, so every time you had a question, go to the trainer, go to the trainer, go to the trainer. I had one time, one of my bosses says, you ask more questions than anybody that has ever started working here. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to mess up. I want to do it right. So I think I drove him half crazy, but I kept going back to him and asking him, okay? But you know what? God, he doesn't, he's not bothered by that. He's not going to tell you you ask too many questions. You understand that? He likes it when we come to him. He likes it when we start speaking his word, when we stand up against what the enemy's trying to do in our life. He likes that, all right? And as we develop perseverance from the challenges that we face, you know what? That creates inner strength, and it comes from walking with him, and it comes from choosing the right thing and not the wrong thing, all right? And as we start to see that happening, the Bible says perseverance produces character. Well, what is character? Character's the person that makes the right decision, whether somebody's watching them or not watching them. Character is the person who walks in integrity. And he, the character is the person, you know, like, like we have a dog. And, uh, and, and he's not much of a watchdog, you understand. He's more of a companion dog who would, if someone broke in the house, he would lick them and hope he, they would feed him. <laughs> but, um, but... But when, when, we, uh, when we're going to be gone, we've asked people to come and stay at the house because the dog's used to that. We don't ask somebody we don't trust. We don't ask somebody who's, who's, you know, doesn't have any character. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous maybe, but, but you ask somebody that you can absolutely trust because you're entrusting them with your dog and also the house and all your possessions and your food and whatever else, right? But, but the point is, is that 
that you're going to look for somebody that you feel like you could really, really trust to put your possessions or your dog or your house or, you know, has anybody ever asked you if they could borrow your car and you're like, mm, no, I've seen you drive. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I wouldn't loan my car to just anybody. Would you? Hello. Probably shouldn't say stuff like that, should I? I'll get myself, one of these days I'm going to get myself in trouble and, and, and y'all have to be there to encourage me, okay? Anyway, so <laughs> perseverance produces character. Self-control is one of those things that's part of character, amen? You know, but, 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 guys, you know, we can rise above all the noise and the nonsense and the sin. You know, we sing that song, I'm no longer a slave to sin. The chains are broken. The prison door's wide open. Be strong in the Lord. You know, we can do it. But, you know, there's so much out there. And even, the, you know, the Christian music, I mean, they make it sound like you can't do it. Like it's just not possible. I mean, you guys ever listen to this stuff? I mean, some of those songs are just like, oh, really? I think I'm more discouraged now that I've listened to your song. That I, you know, they're supposed to be, we're supposed to encourage one another, not discourage one another by, you know, talking about how hard it is. I was, I was, uh, my wife and I were sharing this with somebody recently, but we went to a, my, my nephew's wedding. I hope they're not listening. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and the minister gets up and says, now, marriage is really hard, and it's going to be really a lot of work, and your first year is going to be a lot of trouble. And then he says he's single. I'm like, what do you know? Shut up. What are you doing? Like, and then he's like, yeah, well, that's what I've heard. I'm like, shut up. I, I, was, I was horrified. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know who his friends are or who they married. But I can tell you that, I mean, my wife and I were a little older when we got married, but our first year together was not hard. <laughs> we were just liking being married and not having to, I was really happy not to have to drive home at night anymore, you know? It's like, no, I gotta stay here. But, oh Lord, anyway. So, you know, that is not encouraging to have somebody. Anyway, I better keep going here. All right. You know, the, Bi the Bible, okay, in that verse, in Romans 5, it says then, it says then that, and character produces hope. You know, I, 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 I remember the days when I had no hope. Boy. And, and I, I remember just saying to God, God, just give me Give me a little hope. You know? And guess what? He, he did. And then he gave me a little more hope. And a little more hope. And a little more hope. So it started dwelling inside of me. And, and you know what? Guys, as we walk with him, you know, hope is there. He's the God of hope. He's the God of all comfort. Uh, Romans 5, 5, keep continuing that pas passage. It says, and hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, his love is there. His love is very, very real. We are rooted and grounded in that love. And it's very, 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 very real. And as we grow in him, we can see that he's doing things in us. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
Verse 18 says, But we all are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. You know, we're being transformed into his image. You know, and, and that's what's happening. You know, we're learning what's wrong and what's right, right. We're learning how to make a good choice and not a bad choice. We're learning how to encourage people and not discourage people. We're learning how to be a blessing to somebody and how to lead them to the Lord and how to walk in faith. We're learning stuff, okay? But it doesn't happen like this. Don't you wish it would? But, but that's not how things work. God didn't make it that way, all right? Because it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of trusting him. You know, in, in 19, no, 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 not 19, in 20, 2009, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, working at Raymond Bible Church, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm moving you to an unlikely place. In words, I, I'm, I'd stepped out of my front door, I went, was going for a walk, and I had just locked my front door, and I was about three steps out of my house, and he started talking to me, in words. And he said, I'm moving you to an unlikely place. Do you understand? Track with me on this. Do you understand that gives me absolutely no information except for the fact that I'm moving? Do you understand that? Where am I moving to? Yeah, I have no idea. But it's going to be an unlikely place. Do you understand that? That, that means I can't in my head figure it out. So I had to walk in faith. The Bible says that our walk with him is faith to faith. To faith, to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith. You understand what I'm saying? It isn't going to just be, you know, Edwin, I'm going to lay out your life for you from now till Jesus comes back. I'm going to tell you what I want you to do every single day. Do you understand that is never going to happen to any of you? Not one of you. It's not going to happen that way. He doesn't do that. He leads us from faith to faith, meaning Yes, today took faith to get where we needed to get, and tomorrow's going to take faith to get where you need to get, and the next day is going to take faith for you to get where he wants you to get. And if there's a big step, it's going to take faith, and if it's a little step, it's going to take faith because he wants you to just learn to trust him and walk with him. You know, we can, we can get all overwhelmed and, oh, what am I supposed to do? You know, when, when you were, when some of y'all are young, so don't, if you're very young, don't listen right now. You know, when you were young and you'd be like, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. And you know, you know what I mean? And, and then you're just like, well, his will for you is to live day to day and faith to faith and just keep hanging on. You'll get there. And look at us, you know, we got there. You know what I'm saying? Look at us, you know, here we are. Morris is almost 60 and he got there. And, uh, and uh, you know, but he's been following God all this time. All right? And it's just day to day to day to day to day. You know, God never laid it all out for Morris. He didn't tell him, he didn't hand him a journal and go, here's every detail of every day for the next 40 years. You just follow this. No, 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 no. He's not going to do that for you or me, but he will build you. He will grow you up. You are the planting of the Lord. You're the building of the Lord. Jesus is your foundation. He's your cornerstone. And he's just going to keep growing you up. Amen?